This week's podcast is sponsored by the Heavenly Academy of Marital Arts. Marital Arts? This is a family podcast. Even I have standards, and I'm the world's foremost evil wizard. What? Huh? Martial Arts. Oh, oh, well, that's different then. The Heavenly Academy of Martial Arts, where you can learn to kick and punch your way out of anything. Hmm. Fisticuffs. I don't see what's wrong with a good fireball. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk, episode 102. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, as ever, it's absolutely amazing to be here. I'm looking forward to doing some more exciting RPG news. Excellent. Hey, we've got a guest. We have a yes. guest. Hello. I'm uh, Robert Mariner Dodds, the creator of Carbon 2185, the founder of Dragon Turtle Games, and the co-founder of Studio Circa. I don't that's know. How you say it. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know anything about RPG news, so that's going to become very obvious. You know anything about RPGs? I was just, I, I was just hoping you'd say Studio <laughs> Circa before I did, so that the well, pronunciation could be. Uh, it's really debatable because it's a, it's a, it's an Italian word. Pronounce Chaka in Italian, but I'm not Italian. Well, I'm part Italian, but I, since we're speaking English, I will use the English pronunciation, which is Circa. Sounds like a good plan. Okay. Otherwise, you start calling Paris Paris. Mm. I'm sure I've offended a lot of uh, Italians because I, I know that even my uh, attempt at pronouncing it in Italian was incorrect. Yeah, and you do realize our listenership is only Italian. Oh yeah. dear. This only goes out in Italy, no, nowhere else. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's what I saw those strange like things, really. Yeah. You have to bootleg it to get over in Southampton. I think it's a licensing deal or something. It's, it's, all, it's all a bit obscure, really. But I was going to say, if you know anything about RPGs at all, you're massively overqualified for this podcast. Because mm, right. we certainly don't. <laughs> okay, so Russ, we should yes. probably talk about what's on the news. Okay, then let's do that. Okay, so uh, Cubicle 7 have yep. released a free adventure for Warhammer 40k. Which will not be news to people who were listening last week because they already know it's come out. Yeah, it's called Graveyard Shift. I think I think Emmett last week said it was coming out in the next few weeks and then it literally yeah. came out the next day. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so it kind of snuck <laughs> up on him, I think. <laughs> it's very easy to lose track of time during the lockdown. Yes, yes yeah. But- but isn't he producing it? <laughs> no, he's producing oh, Age okay. of Sigma. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. he was so, on our so, podcast last week, Peter, talking about Age of Sigma. Who? I know it was a whole week ago. <laughs> Age of what? <laughs> I'm confused. And this, this is Warhammer 40k. Oh wait, so is this, this isn't Dungeons and Dragons we're talking about, though? No? Yes, okay. this is Dungeons and Dragons 40k. Oh, okay, Dungeons and Dragons. 40K. Good stuff. Right. <laughs> I think they'll probably so, release a 5e version of it, right, eventually. Yeah, that's what everyone's doing these days. <laughs> it's what all the cool kids are doing. So anyway, this is uh, this is for uh, Warhammer 40k Wrath and Glory. Mm-mm. It's called Graveyard Shift. Uh, the cover art is that piece of cover art that we we didn't actually necessarily realise it was for this product last week, but we were talking about it at length. 
with the yeah, sort of mausoleum and the statues and the, yeah. and the and floating skulls outside, and yeah. all that stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, here's the description. So, uh, Graveyard Shift is a clandestine mission, mm. perfect for introducing players to the daily horrors of life and death in the 41st millennium. Mm-hmm. Nice. Tasked by an interrogator Perfect. to retrieve a dangerous xenotech artifact, you explore a corpse starch production facility. You encounter yes. villainous scum and scour the dangerous weights of the boneyards. Right. Corpse starch, if our memory serves, is basically the, like, we just not even bothered filing off the serial number Soylent Green of the uh, 41st <laughs> millennium. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, people are supposed to eat it. It's like, oh, that's nice. I mean, obviously, you don't eat it unless you can afford to eat anything else, but yeah. Sorry, what, what's it called? Corpse. Corpse starch. That sounds a bit on the... Oh, it sounds a bit, a bit obvious that it's uh, yeah, made of people, unlike Soylent in, in, Green. In, in <laughs> retrospect, yeah. It's probably <laughs> need to needs some work. I mean, yeah. um, <laughs> like, but but even worse is the substitutes. Like, I can't believe it's not corpse starch. Doesn't taste nearly as nice. Yeah, or, yeah. I can't <laughs> believe it's not a human corpse. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? So, uh, free RPG day mm-hmm. has a new date. Oh, okay. What's and that date. That's- is July the 25th, 2020. Okay, fantastic. And stores across the world will host free RPG day. Mm-hmm. i got to say... Have they, have they moved it? Because I didn't think they had, had they? I thought it was uh, the they, well, July. Free RPG day's got a new owner. Oh. Uh, okay. uh, called Gaming Days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they've taken over. Um, I think they took over it, like, early last year, late last year, sometime last year. I can't remember when. Okay, it was previously the 13th of June, mm. so oh, okay. I don't know. Like, I know it was this year, because I was like, I really should know when this is. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is, this free RPG day is a day where people are encouraged to go and gather in a gaming store, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so I'm not entirely sure how I feel about this. July the 25th, that's what, two months away. Well, I yeah. think that most places will be open by then, certainly in the States yeah. and here, here in the UK. Um, yeah. I know that quite a lot of stores in the UK will be open by the 15th of right. June. Yeah, yeah. Like going for things but like I'm not sure distancing. that I fully it's are on board with people gathering in large groups still. Oh. Yeah. I, I mean, certain, certainly conventions won't be opening by then. No. No, no, no. no, no. It, do you know, if, if conventions were going on, UK, if UK Games Expo today, today is UK Games Expo. I know, I wish I was there. Oh. I know, and it's not yeah. happening. Voter Regionals, it. UK Games Expo. I really should be at this point in some sort of role playing game in a yeah. hot sweaty hall. Um, Would you like to talk some D and D movie news? Well, yes. Could we could we have a <laughs> quick word about the Emmys first? Uh, okay. Yes. For instance, like you know, um, I don't know if you're aware of it, but uh, Rush used to present for the Emmys. The Emmys. The Emmys. Yes. I did know the that. World Awards. Yeah. Okay. I fantastic. Thought that Russ was a founder of the Ennies. I was, yes. Yes, Rather than a presenter. Well, I still am, I suppose. So it's not something you stopped being, is it? But but (laughs) You're still the founder. I'm still the founder, but I'm not not involved with it anymore. A couple of years ago, I... uh, Those will be announced soon, right? The the nominations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably in the next... uh, I mean, I, I I thought you might be interested... That like you know there was there's certain quality associated with running the Ennies, so they've had to like get the right people in, and so in order to replace the uh, sheer animal magnetism that's Russ, they've got um, 
Ken Height and Robin D. Laws. Yeah, they're hosts. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're MCing it. I mean, to be, yeah. To be clear, I never MC'd it. I never. Uh, not? No, oh, okay. no, no, no. You're just behind the scenes. The public. Yeah, yeah. You're just yeah. doing the work. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, the work without the credit. Actually, no. I did the first one. I think. Yeah. yeah the very, very first one uh, was in Gen Con, and it wasn't even in a, a ballroom or or a, <laughs> a room or anything. It was in a hallway. Hey. <laughs> and everyone was just gathered in the hallway on this little makeshift stage, which was about the size of, I don't know, it was about the size of a, well, like 10 feet across or something. Yeah. little makeshift yeah. stage there. Well, they were just gathered. For us. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. We've actually submitted some products uh, this year to the Ennies. We, I, I always forget to do it. I always miss the cutoff. But this year we submitted the Carbon 2185 Core Rulebook nice. and the interlinked first adventure book that we released. Yeah, well, they're going they're going ahead despite the fact that Gen Con's not happening, mm. and they'll be doing mm. it. They'll be doing it live streaming it online. Fantastic! Oh, oh, is... I hope for a nomination. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, D and D movie news. D and D movie news. Exciting. D and D movie news. So yeah. Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly. And these yep. guys wrote Spider-Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. and they directed a film called Game Night, which I haven't seen. With they, um, Will Ferrell. Um, possibly. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that film. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, I mean, they were, they were supposed to be flying here to the UK to scout locations back in March, but then the pandemic hit, and so they didn't. Um, but they did an interview with uh, Hollywood Reporter all about the movie. Oh, yeah, so. so these right. are the guys who are writing and directing the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, they, they're talking about the sort of uh, characters and comedic elements of it, Ooh. at least in the current draft. So uh, this, this is a quote. Um, uh-huh. They'd say, um, it's not an out-and-out comedy. It's an action fantasy movie with a lot of comedic elements and characters we hope people will really get into and enjoy watching their adventures. Well, a sort of like uh, Spider-Man Homecoming then. Because that was Ooh. very much a, an yeah. action movie with comedic elements. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Game it- Night, I think, if, yeah. I, if it's the movie I'm thinking of with Will Ferrell, um, mm-hmm. was a comedic movie with action elements here and there mm. and some kind mm. of crime elements as well. And it was very well directed, mm. you know, and they were directed that. Uh, so I've got high hopes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no actors cast yet. Uh, and the movie's its current release date, whether it will still it will, it will keep that, is May 27th, 2022. So it's a bit of a ways off yet. Mm. But they also did talk a little bit about how they're working with Wizards of the Coast. Oh, yes. So uh, they say, uh, we are working with Wizards of the Coast, the brand holders of D&D. Uh, uh-huh. They are the experts. Uh, we have people there that we work with, and it's pretty helpful, because as much as we know about D&D, it's a drop in the bucket compared to the 45 years of law that's out there. So these guys are such a resource. Um, if we need a particular spell that a high-level wizard could do, they could give us a list. Okay. Oh, so they're, 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 it sounds like they're not going to take many liberties, then. They're going to keep it quite true to the rules. Well, I think, what is D&D if you don't? It's just generic <laughs> well, fantasy, yeah. otherwise, yeah, it, isn't it? it? Is very, it is very much generic fantasy. Because I've, well, I've always, I've always said about... There's a lot of Forgotten Realms fans that are very offended. Yeah, but that's the point. Said. That's the point. That's the Forgotten Realms, though. 
Uh, yeah. Realms. Or Dragon Lodge. Or yeah. Raven Lodge. Is Forgotten Realms the default setting of D&D actually D&D, or is it a separate thing? Well, the question is, is this movie going to be Forgotten Realms? No. Well, yeah. This is going to be D&D, because nobody's heard of Forgotten Realms outside D&D players. It's a oh, bad brand to slap on your... Mm. Your movie, isn't no, it? but I meant, is it going to be set in the Forgotten Realms? I always see what you mean. Are they going to make their own setting for it? Ooh. I expect so. Or is it just going to be some generic fantasy using the D&D rule set? <laughs> so, I don't know. It's like everyone spans out into a five-foot space. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well, that way they can, they can, socia- they can socially <laughs> distance <laughs> while filming, <laughs> right? And when they move, they move a square at a time. They go... Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course and then they like suddenly leap backwards 20 foot saying oh sorry sorry I hunt, I and they, and they, they, all take, they take turns to, to attack each other do you think they'll, they'll, they'll turn to the camera and ask for rule clarifications <laughs> <laughs> or they'll take a swing and be like oh sorry sorry I forgot I've got to add plus two. Yeah, so I've got my sneak attack bonus. That could be a funny movie, but it would have a very, very niche audience. <laughs> it would be super niche. But um, I'd watch it. Yeah, I would oh, as absolutely. well. I, I, would, I would not miss one, which was basically like uh, Order the Stick, the movie. That would be yeah. fantastic. So that's, yeah. free, that's free ticket sales. So if they can keep the budget below £30, pounds, uh, <laughs> then they've made a profit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, how much cost make movies, right? <laughs> Ten pounds to see a movie. <laughs> All get in. <laughs> right, let's see if we can find some more news, shall we? Warhammer is announcing a ninth edition. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, that. that's right, and it's backwards yeah. compatible. Backwards compatible. I don't. I don't even know. It's like I, I played second edition. I don't. I don't. I didn't know there were different editions. <laughs> well, now you know. <laughs> Have they got? I mean, I'm not. I, I don't know an awful lot about the the wargaming side of yeah. Games Workshop, but Absolutely. don't don't they have a reputation for changing editions like every every few years and forcing everyone to start their collections again or something? Yeah, it's almost like an RPG publisher bringing out a new core cool rule. That, 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 about that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very yeah. good way to make a profit. But I yeah, think, but, but know, the amount of money backwards. involved is an order of magnitude more, isn't it? It's, yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Making a uh, uh, making it backwards compatible, or at least that's what I got from what I saw in the headlines. I I didn't read any of the articles, so I'm I'm, I'm a lot like an internet forum here, basing my opinion. So the miniatures the themselves, presumably, they're just compatible, or do you have to have the right miniatures as well? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's the organ tables of organisation, right. like what what like particular pointy bit of plastic the yes. little pointy model has. That's I, very important, right? Hello, your editor Daryl with a quick clarification. For the most part, the miniatures themselves in Warhammer 40k travel forward through editions, but the codex that defines the statistics, abilities, powers, and so on of each unit changes with the edition. Now, not every edition requires new codexes as, to the best of my knowledge, only 3rd edition and 8th edition rendered all previous codexes obsolete. But considering these books are around 35 to $50 and cover just one specific unit type of army, and that the 8th edition only came out in the summer of 2017, these books represent a major investment on the part of players, and I'm sure it was a relief to learn up front that they would remain compatible with the new edition. And before anyone tries to correct me, I use the word codexes because that's what Games Workshop uses on their website. So please don't write in and tell me it's supposed to be codices. 
I used to play uh, X-Wing miniature game. Mm. Uh, when they released a second edition of that, all the miniatures were still compatible, but you had right. to rebuy the cards and oh. uh, right. you know, yeah. the, the see, dice yeah. and that sort of thing. So that everything, you could use your old miniatures but with the new, new versions. Yeah. yeah. But so the cards expect- were the, the cheap part. You know, you could buy those on, on eBay for... Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, that's well, that's like buying a new edition of uh, RPG. If you've got a whole bunch of D and D miniatures, and then you buy a new edition of D and D, your old miniatures still work. You just use yeah. a different monster manual. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's exactly this. that's exactly what it's like with X Wing. Yeah. Because well, I, mean, I mean, a Tie Fighter is still a Tie Fighter. Absolutely. Right. Our D twenties are backwards compatible and fully compatible with all editions of D and D. You can't buy that sort of technology. Mm. <laughs> right. What else have we got? RPG Creators Relief Fund. Okay. Uh, essentially, what this is, it's the it's a cha- uh, helping it's a- game creators keep creating. Yeah, it's a charity, basically. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. You must qualify as a tabletop role-playing game creator and suffering from a hardship that falls within the RCRF's purview. And you can find out more at RCF, sorry, rcrfcharity.org, uh, where they will go through the uh, details, which... Um, I won't go through here because they're pretty, pretty lengthy. Mm-hmm. But basically, if you're legitimately an RPG creator, then you can. And you're, and you're suffering hardship. From yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're legitimately a creator and you're legitimately need help, they will help. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 list, they list what hardship includes, but not limited oh. to. So medical injuries and similar conditions, injuries yeah. from car wrecks, falls, and other such incidents, injuries yeah. from natural disasters. And yeah. any other condition the RC, RCRF deems worthy of financial assistance. Yeah, I, I do notice in the drop-down field for reason for assistance, the top the top thing is failed to saving throw. So it's <laughs> good, good, good to see they're like, yeah. Well, what, what exactly have you? I failed to saving throw. Mm. Yeah, we get you. Yeah. Hey, Pathfinder stuff. Pathfinder. Mm. So uh, the archives of Nessus. Mm-hmm. That is uh, where the official Pathfinder SRD is. Yes, and the Pathfinder 2nd Edition SRD as well. Oh, that's so what I meant, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I was referring to. Um, <laughs> it has been updated. It's now got, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, Beastry 2 that literally just... Yeah. I think we were talking about it last week. Yeah, or yeah, the week before. It's pretty recent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is now mm-hmm. on the archives of Nessus. That's so fantastic stuff. of new monsters. Yes, wow. that's quite uh, the uh, quite the website. I I use it quite a lot. I, I play Pathfinder yeah. quite a lot. Mm. Are you enjoying? Are you doing second edition? Second, or? first. I actually haven't done second edition oh, yet. Right. I I I, I play with uh, quite a lot of middle aged men who refuse to try oh, second edition. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> now we're wait, uh, wait, give me that look. I don't sound wrong. We're, we're, <laughs> we're in a second edition campaign, which we started, I think, probably like last August oh, or September or something. Wow. Like now. Been, been a long time. Yeah, I've read the rule book, but I mean, it's it's very different reading a rule book to playing a game mm. in the system. I like yeah. it. I do like it. Yes. It seems um, promising from what I read. Yeah. Uh, basically, it's full of marvellous design, excellent ways to run a game, including the GM advice, and the most clear way to split it down. I personally really like the bulk rules because we had um, oh uh, Owen Casey Stevens on. I, I it was like we were talking about the bulk rules. He's like, yeah, we tried them in Starfinder. Players hate them because the GM enforces them because <laughs> it's just so easy to actually do it at the table. Mm. It's like got 
really hit that sweet spot between um, being easy to use and still having a worthwhile effect on the game. Mm. Now, Owen, correct me if I'm wrong, is the uh, creator of Starfinder or the correct. lead on it. Oh, one of the lead designers. Yeah, yeah right. I think he's the lead designer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, that's where they got the idea to bring the rules into Yeah, very talented. Uh, I, li- I liked a lot of the changes from Pathfinder to Starfinder. I've never and played I- Starfinder, but I would. I think I'd enjoy it. It seems like the sort uh, of thing I'd like. It's pretty I- fun. Shall we see if we can find something else to talk about news-wise? There's got to be more stuff. I fast. We can stay on on Starfinder for the moment. We should. Because PaizoCon yes. is taking place right now. PaizoCon Online. Exciting. And there have been some Starfinder announcements. Uh, so I'm just calling up, and I'm literally looking at this for the first time at the moment, so I'm reading and talking yeah. at the same time. Uh, so uh, oh, the big... Russell's multitasking. That, that, <laughs> so, that very rarely ends well. <laughs> <laughs> Starship Operations Manual is the, oh, big, uh, the big Starfinder release for this, uh, for this summer. Mm-hmm. It's a 160-page source book. Got a lovely, lovely cover illustration with lots and lots of spaceships flying around with lots of brightly coloured lines coming out of them, out of the back and out of the front. Wow. Yeah, I've just uh, shared the uh, link to that announcement in the chat window if you want to have a look at that, Robert. Okay. Um, I yeah, it's got some fantastic book. art. There's a, the cover illustration, as you say, is really pretty amazing. It's, mm. Oh, it's wow, got, that is really nice. It, it, it's almost a shame they're going to work text over it because uh you essentially have sort of a deep space uh well not a sort of semi-deep space battle over a planet with um like i could presume some sort of fighters flying around capital ships mm. some space station or something mm. in the background it's very nice There's, it's like, lovely all guns blazing now i like but i like the, the image further below the next one down Ooh. i have i yes i was i i scrolled ahead to that as well. with that kind of fish-like <laughs> ship being shot yeah. in half by another fish-like ship that has a laser coming out of its wide open mouth. Yeah, it, these uh, are really amazing like, designs. Almost some sort of like space armored space whale is coming to the fore, and yeah, uh, mm. uh, just like re- wrecking these ships as they try and attack it. Yeah, yeah. these are really nice. I, wh- whenever I get cover art, I don't know if, if anyone else does this. I assume they do. Whenever I get cover art made, I send the artist a PDF mock-up of where the text is going to be so they can mm. avoid those areas and put Thinking. all the good-looking stuff yeah, so I yeah. don't have to cover it. <laughs> but this is uh, just full of good-looking... I don't know yeah, where they can put the text. Um, uh, you know, it looks absolutely phenomenal. I think really when nice. you've got something like that with so many things on it, it doesn't matter that much where you put the text because mm. there's still going to be an awful lot of other stuff to look That's at. That's true. And That's there's, true. No, there's no single focus on that on that picture. There's lots and lots of things, so you're not going to obscure anything important. Mm. Yeah, it's just a shame, really, because it's going to go across two pages. So, yeah, I have to have the book open in sort of a weird fashion (laughs) in front of you. So other people will be able to appreciate the joys Mm. of the uh, spaceship being wrecked by the giant space world, but uh, you rarely will, Mm. since you're very unlikely to open a book with its cover to you. Well, that's not the only uh, Starfinder book. Now. What? Get away. Yeah. Some more. There's Alien Archive 4. Four. four. Not four. Four. Well, <laughs> Alien I don't Archive know. 4. I, I, I mean, i got to say, coming from a D&D 5th edition where we've had one monster manual and one Tome of Foes, possibly a guide to monsters, which was a mix, having a fourth Alien Archive does definitely rate a four for me. This includes player character races as well. So it's, oh, not, it's well, not just monsters, it's a, it's a uh, whole bunch of stuff. Mm. Awesome. So they can sell it to GMs and players. Mm. 
Interesting. <laughs> That's a smart move. <laughs> uh, it's a bold move for an RPG publisher, but I could see, I could see the mileage in it. <laughs> uh, they've also got a Devastation Arc Adventure Path coming out. Okay. What even Fine. is this? And this, um, this Adventure Path for Starfinder begins at 13th level. Wow. And oh. ends at 20th level. Oh, oh, oh wow. Ah, I see. And the idea is apparently it's to support the previous Adventure Paths that they put out. So you can say, oh, actually... You finished your adventure path. Now you can go into the devastation. Mm. And then, and then also, uh, fly free or die adventure path. Mm. Wasn't that the name of a Die Hard film? (laughs) Fly free or die harder. (laughs) Probably something. Bruce Bruce Willis will be in there looking like an angry potato. Long long after Die Hard films stopped being Die Hard films. So there's there's a lot of a lot of stuff I news there then. Yeah, all very and, exciting. And, mm. and we've not, we 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 have also we've missed out the the galaxy exploration manual, which they've tucked away at the bottom there. Well, I wouldn't say missed out so much as not got to yet. Well, I mean, <laughs> it sounds like we we're finishing up. I'm like, no, no, we we've got all the Starfinder we're going to talk about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what what is the galaxy exploration manual then, Peter? Tell me all about it. I, I, I shall tell you everything I know about it. Which you which don't, be, didn't know anything about two seconds ago. You're literally looking at it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but unlike some people, I can multitask. It's just one of my many talents. <laughs> uh, the idea behind the Starfinder Galaxy Exploration Manual, which is due out in April next year, is the book's going to provide people with the... But people being players and GMs with rules for being from or going to the myriad worlds found in the Starfinder galaxy. So it's going to have all sorts of environments, um, which I imagine will range from, you know, relatively pleasant. But does it have M-class. planets in it? Yes, it does. Good. Concepts planets as well. No does it have yes. space in it? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Does it have yes. spaceships in it? I think probably less of that, but it will have suns and stars in it. So... That's pretty much everything if you I, need. To if I keep asking you questions like this, how long does it take before it gets annoying? Or are we already there? <laughs> how long will it take? That's a future <laughs> How long did it take? <laughs> Very little time. <laughs> okay, so that's a Starfinder. It looks like they're going great guns, so that's uh, very exciting. Mm. Oh, and oh, we've almost missed out on the thing that personally, I've got to say, like a lot of this stuff is really cool. Very exciting, very nice. But the thing that's like really getting me going, the thing that's revving my engine, is apparently Larian, Larian Studios oh, are announcing yes. that they're going to tell us something about Paul Escape Free tomorrow. Their announcement. it's a new trend now. Thanks to in fact, it's actually it's actually later today. Yes, because uh, yes, so I, 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 I think they tweeted that yesterday, didn't they? Yes, I'm expecting. At four oh three, or whatever time we finish recording this, that it will actually come out. <laughs> so it's a it's a sizzle reel, isn't it? Just a yeah. just a quick whole bunch of clips, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm you excited, excited, excited? Are you excited? Yeah, I'm glad you're excited. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be good. Like I I have literally like has in night before last finished mm. Divinity Original Sin two, the uh, enhanced edition, mm-hmm. which was absolutely nails in the ending it was like we 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 had to have a group reload about three or four times because we kept on getting stomped on 
like a uh, like a hedgehog trying to cross the road. It was not. It was not a glamorous look, man. <laughs> Eventually, we we squeaked to win, and uh, that was uh, the end of about a hundred hours of gameplay. Those are always the most satisfying wins, though, aren't they? When you just oh, yeah, about yeah. do it. Hey, can I can I tell you about some animated spell cards? Animated spell cards. Animated spell cards. I have seen these, and they very much excite me. They excite me very much too. <laughs> tell me more. This I, is, I, I did not know I needed this in my life. This is like this is like magic, but... or it's some kind of something that would come out of your your carbon twenty one eighty five game. It's like something from the future. It's amazing. Yeah, they are. They are really. They look fantastic. So what they, they are? Like cards. Anything about them? So, so they're, they're physical cards. Oh, and when you tilt them, they animate, yes. and they're spell cards. So if it's like a fireball, you got a, a card. So on one side, you got the fireball stats. Yes. On the other side, you got a picture of a fireball. You tilt it, and the animation of a fireball exploding will be there. And they've got one for each spell in the system what? reference document. So loads and loads and loads and loads of them. And, and that, that's why deck of many, isn't it? That's that are releasing that two hundred seventy odd. That's a lot. A lot. Uh, yeah, the deck of many, you're right, yeah. Uh, it's on Kickstarter at the moment. Oof. They're not cheap, That's... though. I will tell you that. Oh, yeah. I no. mean, you're looking at over five and a half packs of regular playing cards mm. uh, in volume. So if that helps you work it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I don't quite know how the technology... What is it? Is it a hologram sort of thing? Well, they've like... done it before. I've got a set of their older cards mm. um, that, that, are, that animate. And they're sort of, um, if you remember, I remember from my childhood, so the 90s and whatnot, you'd have those cards that you would tilt. Tilt and a different picture. Would yeah, yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's that, but more advanced. Yeah, so that, mm-hmm. that, was, that would have been two layers, Probably wouldn't filters. it? Yeah. You'd have one layer yeah. with one picture, one layer with the other. These mm-hmm. apparently have eight layers. Yeah. So as you wow. tilt them, you go through eight different yes. frames. Nice, nice, nice. That sounds pretty amazing. Um, I was thinking in my head something a bit more like augmented reality because uh for things like what's it civilization the board game mm-hmm. you can get things like a special app on your phone where you can use it to look at a card mm-hmm. i don't know what any of these symbols mean bloody euro games and then it comes up with like all sorts of extra text on the card telling you about it yeah. and that that'd be pretty sweet yeah that's gonna be pretty cool once uh once once uh, augmented reality glasses take off. Yeah. Again. I've, I've well, seen they never that took off, did they? They, uh, they, no. will. they will. They will. They crack. They will. They, they, might. they, they, might they, hit, their, they hit their window like a pigeon. Yeah, no, someone, someone just has to make them, you know, a bit more accessible and a bit more... I more saw stylish. someone yeah. wearing a pair of Google glasses mm. about yeah. two weeks ago, and I thought, that is like a unicorn. <laughs> That's retro <laughs> now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> They were wearing their Google glasses like a unicorn. That's where you're going on. <laughs> yeah, mate, they go, they go, they go, yeah, they, they should have an instruction manual. That's perhaps why they didn't take off. <laughs> it's an easy mistake to make. <laughs> All right, I've got two more pieces of news. Two more? Would you like to hear about Dracula or Kingmaker first? Guess choice. Dracula. Dracula. Yeah. Okay, so this is this is a self-serving bit of news, the Dracula piece of news. This is from uh, Mythological Figures and Maleficent Monsters, coming to Kickstarter uh, soon. I'm and very we, excited for that as we well. We have previewed... The work of Mike Myler. Marvellous. Yes, the work of Mike Myler. And me. And Russ. And me. Mm. I'm a co-author yeah. on this too. I've done lots of writing on this. Are you? Mm-hmm. Oh, well done. He did stats, and I've yeah. done most of the descriptive text. 
the flavor. Mm. Yeah. Make yeah. it sizzle. And, mm. just, and I'm project managing it as well, obviously, and everything else. Oh, which is a big task. Well, yeah. As I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a special kind of like, yeah. Oh, really? You have to do that. Mm. Oh, the game designers have. <laughs> so this Dracula. Yeah. Well, let's just say sit down, Strad. <laughs> Take a step back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Calm down. Calm down, Strad. <laughs> Often imitated, Dracula. Uh, guess if you haven't seen this yet. Guess what challenge rating? I mean, challenge. Not supposed to say challenge rating, are we? Challenge is Dracula. I saw it and that I saw the layout page that you posted, mm. but I did not read it, but I saw I it and I thought, that looks very nice. Very pretty. I do. I, the layout work is um, by uh, Zanditz, who uh, is okay. also an artist, but he, uh, he's been working with us for years and years now. I and believe uh, it's... Uh, I, I would like to see a high CR. I think you can say CR, right? Um, uh, I think so, yeah. A high, cha- a high challenge Dracula. So okay. I'm going to guess... Challenge 15. What? Okay, fine. Do you want Peter higher or lower? No, I, I, I was thinking if he's not wrecking the face of a CR15 party, then why is he even bothering? Uh, all right, I will say 17, just so, just so he edges into the god. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's Price is Right rules, so... <laughs> which, What's technically, the prize? which technically, I suppose, means Peter wins because it's CR23. Oh, oh. oh wow! Okay, right. Oh, he, that is he, he's uh, a that chompy is boy, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. Cool. You're gonna, you're gonna need to break out the uh, break out some serious spell slots to deal with him. Yes. Oh, eh? uh, right. Last thing then is a uh, Kingmaker. Then. Mm. So you know the Kingmaker Adventure Path. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, probably, I would say the most popular Pathfinder Adventure mm-hmm. Path. I think. Yeah. Uh, and they're making uh, certainly one of them. Yeah. It's certainly one of the most well known. Uh, uh, so they did a crowdfunding campaign last year, and it was for a second edition version of it, mm. with a D and D fifth edition um, conversion book. Right. Oh. Uh, which I assume is just all the monsters converted. I guess. I don't. I, I think the loot is very different in Pathfinder to fifth edition. Yeah. So they'd have to convert that too. So I don't know what's exact. What exactly is in that conversion book? But uh, the, the point of the news item, because that's not news, that, that was all from last year, uh, the news item is that the cover art has been released. It's by Wayne Reynolds, who does a lot of Paizo's art, and mm. uh, has that distinctive kind of uh, Paizo cover style that, you know, you can, you can often recognise a Paizo book just from that art. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, we've got, uh, we got, we got a lovely, lovely, lovely picture. Oh, wow. That's very cool. It's got a green lady... Oh. A one-eyed skull man. Some sort of barbarian warrior with a, a saber-toothed yeah. goat's head, skull, <laughs> top, I guess. and fur armour. He's missing the end of his sword. He's going to regret that. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's trying to shoot at us with the bow. I don't know. Hmm. Um, and there's like a very grumpy-looking chap with a crown and uh, it's like some sort of... Oh, you're the, you're the polearm expert, Russ. What's, uh, what's that polearm he's using? That is... Uh, like a halberd. Yeah, let's call it that, shall we? Let's say halberd. It's a glaive guisarm. It's a glaive glaive guisarm. A glaive guisarm glaive guisarm. It's a bohemian ear spoon is what it is. 
I, this I is think very Russ great. Maybe making this up. <laughs> <laughs> not not one hundred percent. And you're right. This is very distinctly uh, and instantly recognisably as Pathfinder art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, they've they've had Wayne Reynolds doing their cover art right from the beginning. Yeah, for many years. Yeah, yeah. So it's a yeah. it's a very very distinct style. Mm. It's very nice. Mm. Strong look. I'm interested yeah. about the one one eyed uh, monster man on the cover. Yeah, I'm not sure what he yeah. is. I don't recognise that uh, race. It's a creature of some kind. Yeah, I've, I've actually played through. I've actually played through King Kingmaker as well, but I can't remember that. But this seems to imply that they're a, they're an adventuring party, perhaps. Uh, yeah, maybe. I guess. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, but it looks great. It does look great. It does look mm. great. Anyway, that's that's the news. That's it. That's the news. It's all done. We finished that's the it. news. Did you enjoy that? Yes. I did. I learned a lot. Jolly good. We like to be. We like to be educational. Uh, yes, um, I, I'm all caught up on the industry news, and I'm excited yeah. about more things to spend my money on. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the big problem with news. Is it's basically a list of things that you can buy. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. basically a very long, long advert. Yeah, yeah. We we'd like to give a special shout out to listener Lee Donovan, who has never heard of an RPG project. He did not like. <laughs> <laughs> That's a challenge. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh... It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Shall we play our favourite game in all the world ever? Shall we? Yes. Robert, have you heard of our favourite game in all the world ever? No. Enlighten me. <laughs> Russ, what's the title of our favourite game? It in the is world? called Our Favourite Game in All the World, the game where I read out the name of the Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. I do know this because you played this with Carbon 2185. Did we? <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> did. <laughs> and someone <laughs> sent it to me. <laughs> did, did, did whoever was playing get it? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> no That's probably Peter then. <laughs> to be fair. It seems likely. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Well then, okay. Who, who would like yeah. to go first? Uh, shall I go first? You can if you wish. Go for it. Yes. All right then. I'm going to miss out the bit after the colon on this one because that is one, it's one of those ones where it's a name and then after the colon and then it just describes what it is. Yes, you missed that out on Carbon as well, which yeah. is called... Cool. But you're going to have to, otherwise it's just not even a game, is it? <laughs> Carbon 2185, a cyberpunk RPG. <laughs> you can't just, like, read out the answer. <laughs> okay, are you ready, Peter? I was born ready, okay. that's what it is, what is? Menagerie of Magic. Ooh, um, I think Menagerie of Magic is bestery which is full of exciting magical creatures for, I want to say, oh, I don't know, I'm sort of talking, I was, I was sure it was Pathfinder, but I'm thinking, oh, they just released Bestry 2. No, I think it's, um, it's a third-party source book. Um, yeah, and all sorts of weird, weird and wonderful magical creatures. Um, that, that, it's basically that sort of thing. Um, magic. Ooh. Just trying to think if there's anything else going to derive from that title. Uh, no, there is not. So, yep. Uh, magical creatures, fantasy setting. Mm, I'll say Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. How about it? Hmm. 
I was hoping you'd say Pathfinder so I could actually <laughs> give you zero points. But you got something right Ooh. about it. It is, it is the D&D edition. Can I guess okay. what it is? You can. I oh, would like to counter that and say I think it's an expanded spell list for 5th edition. You're closer. Oh, right? okay. But not quite. Right. It's a compendium of magical items for 5th edition. Ah, right? okay. Yeah, I know, I know what you're thinking. Yes, yeah, I can. I, I, see, I, see, I, I, I see it fleeting across your face there, Peter. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know. Uh, I don't know. Is Do the they answer. mean Milan? It, it sounds magic. good, doesn't it? It does sound good. It does sound good. There's a bit of but the words do have meaning. There's a little bit of alliteration going on there. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I've got with Milan magic, and then the spice must flow. Mm. Um. I mean, that's basically what it is. It's a it's a book of magical items for D and D fifth edition. Okay, survive this. And I'll tell you, it has two exclamation marks at the end of it. Two, not three. Okay, survive this with two exclamation marks. Oh, that's a tough one. I think it's, I think it's, um, I'm going to guess it's a short, difficult Call of Cthulhu adventure. Hmm, interesting. It's not. May I, <laughs> I, I think it's like an exciting guide to exploration. Because mm. that's, uh, that's what I'd really like to buy, so I don't have to write it myself anymore. If I just, if I just tell you it's that, will that make you happy? Briefly, until I look it up. That should be the trait. So this is a core rulebook and Game Master's Guide for a game, oh. an RPG called Survive This Fantasy Tabletop Role-Playing Game. Wow, a whole game. Mm. It mixes old school sensibilities with modern game design in a D20-based system. I see. Um, so if you don't check for traps every five foot, then something terrible happens to you. Uh, <laughs> is my understanding of OSR from the OSR forums. Okay, so, yeah. so this is a description, right? You can agree what you can from this. So Survive This is a game system created by Eric Bloat using the Open Gaming License. Created for Survive This, Zombies, a zombie apocalypse horror RPG, and then overhauled for Survive This, Zombies, 2nd Edition. I'm pausing because where, everywhere I pause there's an exclamation mark. Um, Survive This was then utilised for a 1980s setting in Dark Places and Demogorgons and a street-level superhero setting in Vigilante City. Survive This... Fantasy is the fourth iteration of the game line, bringing the rules to a traditional fantasy setting while remaining fully compatible with the previous games in the line. So it's sort of a generic multi-genre that's what, rule that's system. That's what I'm getting from that, and this is the fan yeah. this is the fantasy branch of it. That's the end of our favourite game in all the world. <laughs> Fantastic. I've got no I idea. I've got no idea who won that. Uh, well it was a draw of both at zero. <laughs> 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 Games were played. <laughs> <laughs> we remember that much, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Megalithic Publishing Corporation. Oh, hello. Is this Megalithic Publishing Corporation? Did I stutter? Oh, sorry. I was calling because I have a proposal for you. Uh, I'm already married. Sorry. No, no. A business proposal. Ah, sorry. My bad. Well, carry on then. Well... It's like this. I've had an idea for a new game. An idea? Yes. I was wondering if you'd be interested in publishing it. Oh, you mean you've written the game? 
No, no, it's just an idea. Oh, I see. And you plan to write the game? No, you, you'd have to write it. Huh. My enthusiasm diminishes by the second. Okay, what's your idea? Oh, I can't tell you that. I see. Uh, well, good chat. Goodbye. Wait, wait. Hear me out. I'm awfully busy, you know. I really think this idea is worth a lot of money. You do, do you? Yes. If I tell you my idea, you might copy it and make a fortune. Well, why don't you take your idea and write your game and publish it yourself? Myself? Yes, then you can make the fortune. Cut out the middleman. Mm, that sounds like an awful lot of work. Does it now? Who knew? I mean, I'd have to spend hundreds of hours writing it. Gosh, who'd have thought? And then pay somebody to edit it. I see you're beginning to grasp the situation. And then there's art and layout and marketing and printing costs and warehousing and distribution. Indeed, indeed. So I think it's probably easier if you publish my idea and just pay me for it. <sighs> okay, I'll bite. How did you come up with this idea? Oh, I was at the pub with some friends and they had a TV on there with a film on it. I just into my head. It just popped into your head. Yes, a stroke of genius, you might say. Plus, there were 14 other ideas I came up with, during my first pint at least. Tell you what, write down your idea, and if I like it, I'll pay you ooh, uh, 10 pence per word for it. Oh, hang on, scribbling noises. Hmm, that's just nine words, 90 pence. I can't sell you my idea for 90 pence. Unicorns with laser horns. What? Unicorns with laser horns. It's an idea I just came up with. This idea, Malaki, is pretty easy, isn't it? What do you mean? Space wizards riding lizards. Ha, wow, I'm on a roll. I don't quite see what you... Garden gnomes in motor homes. Are you mocking me? Talking cars and rock stars. Dinosaurs in candy stores. Dogs and cats versus vampire bats. Oh, my idea doesn't even rhyme. I just came up with five ideas in under 30 seconds. As you can see, the idea bit is the easy bit. That's what you think. <laughs> uh, why are you laughing? Because I'm not really trying to sell you an idea. I'm your arch rival, Leviathan Publishing House. And now we have your ideas. <sighs> I have tasked the entire company to producing unicorns with laser horns. You, sir, are finished. <laughs> Right then, I think it's probably time to start talking about your stuff, Robert. Oh yes, that's why I'm here. That is why you're here. We don't have to. <laughs> I, I I mean, just... <laughs> yeah, well, I was okay, having, I was having for, a great time. Okay, this podcast, <laughs> I thought you I, just liked us. Yeah, I was just having. I was having a great time. I forgot I was even here to self-promote. <laughs> that's just how we like it. <laughs> so basically, we've got two things to talk to you about, I think, haven't we? So we Carbon2185, which has obviously yes. been around for a year or more, mm -hmm. and your brand new venture, whose name I, I, I'm still hesitant to say. Circa. Studio Circa. Circa, which you've set up with your sister. Yes. So which, which would you like to start with? Well, we can start with uh, Carbon2185, okay. which has been out for a year now. Uh, the yeah. core rulebook is it's 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 still selling. Mm -hmm. You know the the you know the, the community's growing. The online communities are growing on Remember Facebook. Remember at Dragon Meet last year, 
in December, I, I think it was two or three times I wandered over to your stand to say hello. And every we single every single time, I just couldn't get near it. Yeah. So, and I gave up in the end. Just, oh, oh well. <laughs> we didn't take enough staff. Yeah. I, there were three of us. Yeah. I thought that would be enough, mm. and it wasn't. You know, there, there were people waiting yeah. to be served right. and get their books and all that stuff. It was, it was yeah. really good. You were kidding um, it. You were kidding it. And you kickstarted yeah, it as well. What did you do, like 150 grand or something? 143. Yeah, 100... And then we did about the same in pre-orders mm. on uh, Backer Kit. Yeah. Or no, ple- pledge manager. <laughs> uh, I have to ask: Is is that like art from one of your books behind you? Yes, it is. That's the, that's the cover art for the Carbon right. Twenty One Eighty Five Coral book by Klaus Whitman. Uh, it's his yes. fiance uh, was the model for that. Mm, right. so I yes. said to him, I said to him, I want a woman on the cover that looks like uh, she's give, giving a look to the camera as if to say. I can kill you, but it's not worth my time. And he said, I know exactly that look. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I'm comfy here. I have to finish my drink, finish my cigarette. Yeah, exactly. But but seriously, don't vex me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He said, I know exactly that look. That's how my fiancé looks at me. Uh, (laughs) So... so she's the model for that. It's really nice. We've got another book coming to Kickstarter soon. Mm. We're still fulfilling stretch rewards because mm-hmm. we've, we've got a 220-page uh, source book as a stretch reward and wow. a 60-page book as a stretch reward as well because it really blew out the walls. So the funding goal was 10 grand, mm. you know, yeah. and, and we got 140. Um, yeah, so those are... Times more, yeah, it's... It's, it's <laughs> nice when so, that happens, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Those will be shipping very soon. They've actually been printed as of recording this. Awesome. And, uh, they're just going to be bound and whatnot and printed and shipped out. Once those are shipped out, we will begin the promotional uh, work on Terminal Overdrive, our first Kickstarter source book for wow. Carbon 2185, which includes a 100-page adventure written by Ben Counter, New York Times best-selling author Ben Counter, mm. who wrote some 40k books. And it's really good. It's already been written, and I've read it. I love it. Wonderful. It's also going to include new player options, including the ability to play as a robot, the ability to jump into our version of cyberspace. Uh, so really exciting stuff coming in that book. And even more great artwork by Klaus. And uh, some other people as well. <laughs> I've got to say that artwork is, yeah. is gorgeous. But can we just rewind for a quick second, just for those listeners yeah. who maybe don't know what Carbon Twenty One Eighty Five is? Oh yeah, I think we've probably, probably given probably away most of we've, them. We've, well, we've probably told them pretty much anyway by now. But obviously, it's they, what they might know not know is it's fifth edition powered. Yes, it's OGL. We we we, we took. I was working on a system, and I just yeah. couldn't get it as elegant as I wanted. Mm. And I just kept thinking fifth edition is much better than this. Yeah. So I took fifth edition and I stripped away the magic and the fantasy and all that stuff. And I, yeah. I replaced it with guns and cybernetics and hacking and uh, uh, these types of things. And when you play it, it really doesn't feel like fifth edition at all. Mm. But it's very familiar. You have saving throws and skill checks. Yeah. and it's yeah. If you know how to play D&D, you know how to play. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, but you, you don't need to know how to play D&D to play Carbon. Yeah. I've had quite a lot of people speak to me and say Carbon is my first... Uh, RPG, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and they, nice. they they learn to play it very quickly. Yes, because everything you need is in the core yeah, rulebook, yeah, which mm-hmm. is two hundred and eighty something pages. So, so you talk us through some of the changes that you would have made when going from D anD D to cards, like classes, for example, or an obvious big yes. big ticket change. Oh, yeah. What you talk us through the classes, maybe or something like that. 
so there's only six classes, uh, which we felt was enough, and, uh, and most of them have sub, uh, you know, well, they all have subclasses. Mm. But we wanted the the, the flavors of cyberpunk and you know sometimes for example the fighter for fifth edition works very well um so we kept the bare bones of that mostly Mm -hmm. as the enforcer which is your kind of standard man Mm -hmm. uh or stand not standard man but your standard uh fighting type yeah yeah he's a fighting man going back to like that first edition flavor of you know you got you got this man he does fighting yes then we have uh a, a daimyo or uh, Daimyo, you know, depending on your pronunciation. Or if you want to pronounce it properly, you can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't have any truck with that on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't pronounce it properly, so I don't expect other people to. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that's kind of your your tanky character. You know, you know think of uh, uh, they use miniguns and heavy weaponry yeah. and they're very strong. But they're also party leaders, so they're very charismatic and they, they can give bonuses to their party. Mm. And, you know, they very much run in headfirst and everyone follows them. You know, almost a bit of a combination of a bard and a barbarian, if we're talking D&D terms. Okay. Um, is it a scold? Scald? Barbarian, if you will. Scald? Is that the word? Scald? Scald. Scald. S-K-A-L-D. Yes. Scald. Yeah. Yes. Like That's a, kind of like a bardic sort of barbarian, a Norse, isn't it? A, a, a Norse warrior poet yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. That's yeah. uh, how we roll. Kind of like that. Mm. Uh, then you have a doc, which is self-explanatory. It's your healing class. They use uh, medical implants and nanobots to heal. Mm. Uh, they, they're well equipped with superglue and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They They're actually... They're, uh, they're quite formidable in combat as well. Mm. You know, uh, your enforcers we already spoke about. The hacker... Now, hacking, uh, what I did on purpose was I avoided other cyberpunk games when I was writing right. this. So mm. we do hacking very differently. And because a lot of people find those games, if you want complicated hacking, play those games. Because mm. <laughs> hacking is itself a skill check uh, in Carbon 2185. But you do have combat exploits, hacking exploits, which are almost like spells you can use that do certain things. Right. And they are computer programs you've learned or um you know a series of events that you can trigger to do things such as cause an enemy's grenade to explode on right, the belt yeah i suppose if or, you're yeah if you're surrounded by technology you can you can just access it correct almost, yeah um it's all linked up you know it caused their their belt to ex- their grenade to explode which is a, a fantastic uh exploit uh comms blackout so you can pick an area and kind of send in a, a wavy field of electric uh, and it, it stops their communications devices working within yeah. the area for a certain amount of time mm. great for stealthy uh, stuff so you hack as your classic support class uh, really great investigator as well uh, it's, it's, it's similar to a hacker and you can get some exploits if you're a uh, for one of the subtypes they know the streets. Right. <laughs> the investigator knows the streets. You're kind of Richard Decker from uh, Blade mm. Runner types. They can hold their own in combat, but they're not a specialist in it. Do they always well, talk they in voiceover format? Only <laughs> in certain cuts. <laughs> in the inferior cuts of the game, they do. <laughs> but they're your kind of neo-noir detectives. Yeah. Uh, very specialised in detective work. Uh, and finally, your scoundrel, uh, which is very, very, very much a rogue type. 
sneaking around, cutting fast deals, uh, inspired by Han Solo, mm. which isn't cyberpunk, but it, he would fit in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So those are your six classes, and uh, um, the game is balanced in such a way that a party can be any makeup you want. Mm-hmm. You can be all enforcers or all docs or all scoundrels or all investigators, and it will still work. Mm. The game will still work, and it will still be just as fun. Mm. So what sort of adventures and missions and activities would a, would a party of uh, Carbon 2185 PCs sort of find themselves engaged in? Anything that makes them money. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in, in, in the core rulebook, we have a two-part uh, adventure called Chow's Request, in which you're recruited by a low-level triad mm. boss to fight his opponents within the same triad, you know, within this civil war. So you take sides in this triad civil mm. war. Why? Because you're paid to. Sure. You know? <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> or, you know, there's 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 adventure background reasons. You, you might be an undercover That's interesting, man. Do you keep D&D's alignment system or have you just dropped it? There's no alignment yeah. system. Okay. Yeah. We don't have alignment systems because uh, Cyberpunk is very much shades of grey. Mm. There's no good guys in Blade Runner. I mean, look at, from a certain point of view, in Blade Runner, for example, Mm. Richard Deckard is hunting down and murdering escaped slaves. Mm -hmm. Yes. You can think and feel. Yeah, from a certain point point of view. So is he a good guy? Mm. (laughs) All they want is freedom. And they're certainly doing it through violent means, but... What slave uprising yes, exactly. wasn't, yeah, yeah. wasn't rightfully violent? Mm. <laughs> well, look, you've mentioned Blade Runner like three times now. Is that your yes. primary influence? I would say Blade Runner is a primary influence. A Ghost in the Shell, mm. as well. Altered Carbon and Neuromancer. Neuromancer mm. more than anything. Oh, okay. But yeah. um, obviously, in, in modern cyberpunk, you expect augmentations and. That sort of thing. And so so we have a lot more of those than you would see in Neuromancer. But Neuromancer, I keep in front of me, actually, on my desk. Oh, right. It's a constantly oh, yes. reference back and forth. So it keeps that feel of uh, so, so going back really, to the really into the old school cyberpunk of people getting stuff done rather than like well, these sort of... Well, I, I, it kind of skips the middle. It has the 80s cyberpunk and it has the modern cyberpunk. You mentioned altered carbon. So have you got the whole sort of post-human consciousness transference and all that sort of thing going on in there too? In an early draft, we did have that. But it completely changed the way people played if they knew they could die and get a new body. Mm. Mm, mm, In carbon 2185, when you die, you are dead. Right, okay. Mm, mm. Because it's supposed to be our world. Mm. But 160 years from the future... Um, when you die, you're dead. You don't get a new body. Yeah. Um, but we did we did play around with that, and it worked. But uh, uh, Richard Morgan, who Richard wrote Carbon. Old Carbon, tweeted about Carbon 2185 mm-hmm. somewhat recently, before the Old Carbon RPG. I'm not sure he's allowed to talk about it now. <laughs> <laughs> but the co-writers of The Expanse also have copies. They have nice. copies of Carbon 2185. That's marvellous. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it does look pretty good. Um, I was having a look at the character sheet because I don't I don't know if you're aware, but that is something. It's the user interface for your role-playing game. It's like pretty much the only thing of yours that many players will see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I, was, I, I was interested. Uh, one of the things that did spring out is uh, 
What's a one long? One long is the universal cryptocurrency in 2185. Uh, it's completely yes. decentralized, similar-ish to Bitcoin, mm. uh, but it's it's taken over. Mm. You know, yeah. dragons or something, dragons sort of idea, or am I getting that wrong? Huh? Oh, I was just wondering where the name came from. Oh, the name comes from Cowboy Bebop, in which the currency, right. the world currency, is called Wulongs. Oh, I see. So this is the one long. It's um, yeah. I just put an N in it. <laughs> <laughs> right, no problem. Yeah, they were originally called Wulongs, uh, but some of our playtesters mispronounced them. <laughs> yeah, just and stuck. I was like, well, that's actually legally that's distinct. Actually yeah. like it. Ooh, yeah. It too, yeah. yeah, it comes from uh, uh, Cowboy Bebop and it uses the South Korean one uh, symbol. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, set, the, the general setting here is like in common with a lot of cyberpunk games, uh, corporations are yes. now in charge and world governments. Are they gone or just taking a back seat? They are taking a back seat. They exist. But most people won't know who the president is, for example, the United mm. States. Uh, elections happen and they don't really matter. The, 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 the governments really only control and fund, uh, the police mm. who are working very judge dredge, shoot first, ask questions later technique, which I can see. Happening. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if we look at the, um, the modern world. Yeah, I, got, I noticed the, in the backstory, there was um, some reference to like corporations just assassinating the president of the EU and the president of the US. Mm. If, I, if I just said that, some uh, some CIA thing is now going to make this up. Was that knock at the door? Yeah, well, <laughs> Over over the next, you know, as it happens in the world, over the next 160 years, the environment collapses completely. Sea levels rise 60 meters. Sea-based economies, uh, sea-based cities either erect increasingly tall walls to keep the sea at uh, bay, or they move further inland. In that time, the governments are weakened and they fall apart and the world goes into absolute economic turmoil, uh, which allows these mega corporations to thrive and take more, more, more power in very much the same way that this economic turmoil and the pandemic in real life has made Amazon flourish. Mm. And Amazon is now wealthier and more powerful than it ever was. Well, you know, Jeff uh, Bezos was, you know, needed a bit more money, didn't he? <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly no, what no, happens. I was struggling in- to get by day to day. <laughs> and that's exactly Uh-oh. what happens in Carbon 2185, <laughs> but over, over a much longer period of time. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 we all know how much um, all these billionaires have been contributing uh, to the world effort against uh, COVID-19. Well, what's interesting as well is there are off-world colonies some 80 or so years before the, the, the game takes place. Mm. We discovered wormholes to other worlds. So the wealthy super elite just leave Earth to these brand new clean worlds and they use Earth as their factory and dumping mm. ground, so to speak, a source for cheap labour. Unfortunately, the cyberpunks, which is how we refer to player characters, are stuck. They are on Earth because they cannot afford to leave. Mm. I'm sure many of them wish to live in these off-world colonies with clean air, but they do not, and they never will. So right. they've just got to get by and survive. Mm. At the point by which they actually manage to break orbit, then um, at that point, really, you've made it sufficiently that you're not a cyberpunk anymore. Absolutely. You know, yeah. once you've got enough money to leave Earth, you're certainly not a cyberpunk yeah. anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. So this supplement you've um, got coming up, 
Ooh. So it's going to hit Kickstarter soon. What's the, what's the timeline mm-hmm. timeline on that one? We're going to do four weeks of promotion and then the campaign. Right. So once the current stretch rewards ship, we will start promoting it because we don't, you know, and by then everyone, by the time it hits Kickstarter, everyone should get it. So probably about nine to ten weeks from now, the campaign will end. So well, that's, that's the way to do it. You know, you're not going to do yes. the tried, the, the old tried and tested fashion of launching a Kickstarter, waiting till it's nearly funded, no, nearly over, and then doing your promotion <laughs> in the last week <laughs> yeah. when you suddenly realise yeah. you haven't done any. I've seen that done. I've, I've seen, seen that, that done so many, many times because I'm on the receiving end of those emails. <laughs> it's not, it's not, not, not a super successful plan. Promote before you start. Yeah, is a, yeah. we've got uh, people are excited for that. We've been doing kind of soft promotion. We've been talking yeah. about it for a long yeah. time because it was meant to launch last year. Yeah. This campaign, but we were delayed because of the delays to the stress rewards, mm. um, which came for various reasons, mm. really. But so this is pretty much it's been written mostly. Yeah. Uh, the art's nice. been done. So, and we've been talking about it for a while, and it's called Terminal Overdrive. Right. Yeah. Because the players exist in a sense of terminal overdrive, you know. Uh, they're, they're working very, very fast, very, very hard, very, very loose. Mm. And it will, of course, inevitably, more <laughs> likely than not, end in their mm. deaths. Uh, tears before bedtime, you say. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> um, so, what's the expansion? It's a source book. Will you be including rules for things like vehicles? Uh, we're gonna no. We're, we're, we've got a couple of new player origins, which is you know instead of races, we have origins. Yeah. You know where yeah. you grew up and that sort of thing makes a difference. Like if you, the culture if you're, you grew up like, in. Spent your t- if you grew up in a like a fancy part of town, mm-hmm. you're going yeah. to have a different set of social Absolutely. skills and abilities than if yeah. you grew up in the street sort of thing. If you grew up in the badlands outside the cities, you've got a difference. Oh, right. Someone who grew yeah. up raised by a gang, for example. With you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we have new origins coming for people who are awakened mechs, which are robots that have suddenly been given sentience. <laughs> uh, you know, so that's going to be fun for a lot of people. Yeah, we yeah. have new rules for them, um, nice. you know, some new kind of armors and weapons and that sort of Ooh. simple stuff, mainly focused on the new origin. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then, you know, a very long adventure path, which will take uh, players... Uh, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it, but they will be going outside of San Francisco. Uh, you get to see okay. a, a tropical... What sort of level are they capping at? That's uh, the adventure path, it goes from 1 to 10. Nice, nice. 1 to 10. Um, but it takes the players eventually outside of orbit and back yeah. in. Nice. Uh, very early on, you know, back into San Francisco. And it takes the players to the tropics. So we see, and that's something that hasn't really been done before that I know of, the tropics in a cyberpunk, cyberpunk world. tropics. Ooh. Yeah, like the Bahamas. Wow. What does that look like in a Electronic cyberpunk world? Electronic coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most people just do big cities, but uh, mm. and America and Asia, mm. but we'll see, we'll see how that does. Well, I just want you to picture like, you know, a big hawking cyber sound with green, gleaming chrome decked with weapons, wearing... Um, a big pair of beach shorts. Yeah. I think, I think, I think it, yeah. S- sipping from a coconut whilst they're paddling. I'm trying to think what a cyberpunk surfer looks like. <laughs> well, wow, I imagine there's, there there's some kind of jet engine yeah, on the back of the board. Yeah, yeah. 
but we're talking, we've got a lot of stuff coming to Carbon yeah. actually because we've got Terminal Overdrive coming to Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, soon we'll be releasing the Cities source book, which is a 220 page source mm-hmm. book detailing Manhattan, London, and Tokyo. And that was written by uh, Darren, uh, Darren Pierce. Uh, Guy Flanders. Does he, Darren Pierce? (laughs) He he seems to write more than I. He writes a book a day. Uh, I think is what he does. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and and Ben Counter wrote that, and it's fantastic, and that's coming soon. Mm. But we're only limited to about two hundred copies of that, so we don't expect that to be in stock very long because we didn't order enough. <laughs> to me, it's often hard to know, though, isn't it? I mean, we uh, yeah, it is very we, difficult. We, we we ordered a print run yeah. of a thousand, and pretty much seven hundred already accounted for. So, Studio Sucker, Studio yes, Sucker. Studio Sucker. Yeah. So, this is this is very a new company you've spun up with your sister. Yes, mm-hmm. and this is totally different to. Carbon mm-hmm. Twenty One Eighty Five. This is based on. Uh, you have to forgive me. I'm not familiar with. With, with with the uh, with the inspiration, but it's a Japanese animation, yes, um, yes. style or Miyazaki, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Miyazaki, yeah, work. yeah. Yes, yes. I've, I've had lot. I've had lots of people telling me off saying, "Oh, you should you should have watched all these films by now." I was like, "I haven't got reference." <laughs> <laughs> They're and very I'm not, good. I'm not, I'm not against them. <laughs> I, I I'm aware yeah. of them. Mm. I just wasn't hundred percent sure. Well, my my uh, sister is. Uh, she's written some. Uh, tabletop mm. stuff before, but she's mainly an artist. She's done a lot of art yeah. for us, a lot of work in in all of our products uh, because she gives she gives me a friends and family discount, uh, nice. so I use her as much Fair as enough. I can. But uh, you know, we spoke about this, and I, it was something I've been working on, and we've been playing in this setting. Mm. It's a it's a fifth edition setting. We've been playing in this setting for a very long time, years since okay. pretty much the launch of fifth mm. edition. I'm developing it and it's, it's, it's 70 ish pages at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then we were like, you know, we should release this. So is it just Get based really on the nice... art style or is it based on the themes and stuff as well? Both, both. The art style is incredibly important to get mm. right because they have a very distinctive art style, oil painting backgrounds with, with hand drawn, uh, animations in the front. Mm. And we, we've captured that really well. We haven't dropped any, any big art pieces yet. But we have some that will drop right. soon. This will come to Kickstarter, but it has to work around Dragon Settle Games, which is my priority. Yeah. Because yeah. I can't run two Kickstarters at once. There's not enough Red Bull in the world yeah. for that. <laughs> and also, they won't let you. <laughs> well, yeah. it's two different companies. Oh, I suppose so you, you can, can get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, you can. You, you could, but you're not going to because I, I would die. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is my main reason for not doing the Kickstarter. It. But um, it looks, it's really good. It's really good. We got Stephen Cummings Mm -hmm. uh, as one of the character artists who works for Marvel Comics. Uh, So it's good art. (laughs) So so for those of us us not familiar with the um, animation and movie and and, and the director um, influence, Mm -hmm. how would you sort of describe the setting just on a, a broad overview? Uh, it's it's a fantasy setting because it has to be to work as a tabletop role-playing yep. game, although most of his work isn't fantasy-based. But we, we have some industrial elements because in this world we have uh, people from our mm. world sometimes end up there instead of dying. So okay. moments where they should die, they end up transported to this very re- weird world. So it's very uncommon to happen, but it does happen. Uh, and it takes place... Uh, in their timeline 
kind of almost medieval, but in our timeline, 1940s. So suddenly you have all these kind of soldiers that should be dying in the war appearing in this world and bringing with them the basic technology that, as they understand it, single-shot rifles and uh, uh, airships and those sorts of things. So it's a mix of fantasy and kind of industrial. The big themes are all about uh, nature is a very big theme. Uh, Anti-war is a very big theme. Uh, I can't say much about the setting without spoiling right. it because uh, we haven't announced just, it yet. I almost said the name of it. There's just nothing then. wrong with spoiling it. <laughs> you're, literally, <laughs> what bad publicity is there for letting us know the name of the project you're working on? Well, yeah. Asking. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, if you don't want us to talk about the project, that's fine. Don't We're know. working on a project. We'll be announcing it We're soon. soon. We'll be announcing it soon. soon. Very, very okay. soon. 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 Uh, it, okay. looks, it looks. So you've abs- heard it first. Um, we've got the announcement that there will be an announcement. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. Catch oh one. no, I've fallen <laughs> into the trap as well. <laughs> <laughs> but the company, you can, people have already signed up to the newsletter. Yeah. They sign up to, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to the newsletter, and you get notified of the announcement. Excellent. We'll be <laughs> important, uh, which is very cool. It's just, it's a cool setting. I won't tell you the name, but you know some of the lore okay. now. Um, right. It's got Where new do we races. sign up for the newsletter? www.studiocirca.com and that's... Yeah, we'll put a link yeah, in the show notes. Absolutely. Yeah, that's C-E-R-C-A. Yes. To spell it. But the art is phenomenal. That's It's very important. I've always uh, prioritised art in everything I publish uh, because I think that quite a lot of third parts of people don't and they should. But it's it's got environmental themes, anti-war themes, uh, an overall kind of community theme. See, it, if you're familiar with um, uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord mm. by Robert Schwab, you get penalised in that for murder. And we have something similar. If you go around murdering people, you yeah. will not have a character very long. <laughs> right. Bad karma. Mm. Almost like, almost so like real life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we wanted it to be more family-friendly than carbon. You know... Uh, and even looking at the, and I, I'm a big numbers nerd, looking at the analytics of the audiences of just the Facebook page and the mailing mm. list are totally different. So that's why we spun up a new company. So when you when you say family friendly, were you talking kids here? Yes. So this is something I will mention, and you guys got the scoop on this. Ooh. We have the races, five main races, but we also have child versions of them. Okay. Ooh. So you'll be able to play as a kind of uh, an 8 to 13 year old version of that race okay. if you want to be a child. And they have obviously some things children are better at and some things they're worse mm. at. So uh, you can tell your own uh, coming of age stories within the, within the world. So each, each... I think that's a really interesting RPG niche because you don't often see stories where it's like, you know, people have gone on an adventure mm-hmm. and they've got their dad along. Or so something each, like that. each yeah. race is basically yeah. split into two. Yeah. Yes, well, you have each race has sub races. Yeah. And then you have another race, which is essentially a child version right. of okay. that. For example, we have lion people uh, called Kianis, mm. who are very big lion people, and they have, they have sub races. But then you can have a cub version, mm. you know, a kind of a coming of age, age character uh, who can come along with a party, and they can certainly hold their own, but in different cool. ways. So it's it's five races, but it's really ten. <laughs> yeah, why not? But that's great if you want to play with mm. kids, or if you mm. want to play a younger character. There's a lot. There's yeah, a lot yeah. of uh, 
story you can tell by playing a kind of 10-year-old. Well, just because you've got a 10-year-old playing doesn't mean that they have to play the child version. Absolutely. They could play as the adult version. They could play play as... Or you could do a bit of role reverse, or if you have a father and son playing... See how they like it. Yeah. (laughs) Go to your room! (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But it gives gives people the the ability to play as characters that are like them. Mm. You know, if someone is a 10-year-old and they want to play a 10-year-old character... They can do that, yeah, uh, which you know you can't really do in other other stories. Yeah. And of course, you're very welcome to play an adult character or even an elderly yeah. character mm. if you want. Um, but yeah, that's uh, you know uh, uh, one of the themes, and one of the other themes are ir- irremovable curses. You know, you can play a character who's cursed a certain way, and uh, yeah, uh, that affects them. In different ways, and it benefits them in others. Mm. Right, I think we do need to wrap up now. It has been a pleasure having you on. Oh, it's been great being here. Enjoyed I've had that a great immensely. Time. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, I am super looking forward to both books. Well, we have the actual announcement. I, I haven't had. Ch- <laughs> I haven't had a chance to play. I've got Carbon Twenty One Eighty Five. I haven't had a chance mm. to play it. So I really, really do oh, hope well, to sometimes. Let me know what you think when you do. I will. It was recently featured in Forbes. Ooh. In a guide to cyberpunk RPGs, mm. so it's and, and in New Scientist magazine last year. So nice, nice. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Great to be here. And when when you do um, launch Studio Circus setting, yes, unnamed setting, currently <laughs> unnamed setting. <laughs> Please do come back on, and when, when you've got more that you can talk to us about, and uh, we'll, we'll dive Absolutely. into that with a bit more detail. It does hear it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, next week we have got James Intracasa, who is going to be talking about Fantastic Lairs, uh, which is a book he's writing with Mike She Sly Flourish. Okay then. Well, thanks so much. I think with that note, it's going to be goodbye from me, Russ. It's goodbye from me, Peter Coffey, from the Southampton Guild of Rollers. And it's goodbye from me, Robert Mariner Dodds, a designer. (laughs) (laughs) A designer from the south of England. (laughs) Apparently I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.